Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? What's going on, Kane? How you doing, Luke? I'm good, man. Good, good, good. Another week. Excited about uh, the program tonight. Uh, the unlearning process. Been something I've been thinking about the whole week and the different angles to try to put it into words. It's one of my favorite, I guess, topics to talk about. Um, I'll start off with a big one just to kind of set the tone. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's a Jesus quote. It's one of probably one of the most learned quotes from Jesus from anyone in a religion. And in my opinion, probably one of the most verses that needs to be unlearned, meaning that the most powerful ones can be the most damaging. And I, if I look at that now and I turn it into how I apply my awakening and intuition, Jesus would have obviously followed up by saying, but you are the way, the truth, and the life as well. So we, and it ties into culture and learning over years and what's instilled in you. And there's nothing more powerful than having a figure as far as mind control and, um, you know, being able to not only control a single mind, but control multiple lines than to put someone so high on a pedestal to where they are the way, the truth and the life. So if you have that person and you're always knowing that that's the way and the truth and the life, but you always fall short of that. And that becomes the, the trap because you can never, you can never attain what, what it is you can attain. Another one is he Whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's another big one. That's like a huge one. That's like instilled in you. So it's just part of the, the learning process in religion. Mm-hmm. And that's completely fear-based as well. If you look at it really closely, if you incorporate everything around in a religion, like you have to believe in this one person, you have to do it in a way that's very superficial so that you can attain everlasting life. Me applying my intuition to it now, it would be more along the lines of he whoever embodies the same thing that I have will have access to eternal knowledge and infinite wisdom and the path will never end. It'll be a never ending ever unfolding path 
but I can see clearly as I've unraveled a lot of things from my personal past that over the years, you know, things have been tainted for control. Things have been tainted for, you can't, what I just said, you can't put that in the Bible because guess what? You're going to, people are going to start to be free. Like you can't put ultimate truths. Like there's, there is those in the Bible. There's some gems that made it through. There's gems that made it. And, you know, some of them hit hard and they resonate, but there's gems that were tweaked ever so cleverly, in my opinion, to where they're used for control. And you can do that with minor tweaks when you're talking about truth, you know, and, and the learning and unlearning not to put whoever you worship on a pedestal is probably one of the biggest keys as far as in that religion spirituality realm, because in the, in the system, that's what the system wants you to do to keep you in the system, to keep feeding off you. It's like the collective ego, collective ego trip. I mean, everyone kind of collectively gets high over the fact that they'll never be able to attain the almighty one, but I'm going to try my best and, and praise his name and exalt him as much as I can, but I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. That's a seriously powerful thing that's instilled in you is that you're not worthy. Um, and the unlearning process for me is, again, seeing those things clearly, having the objective lens to be able to let them hit me and understanding that learning was never meant to be in that way. Like I can remember in religion, like even memorization, like having to memorize and, 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 and all of that has nothing to do with like infinite wisdom. It has nothing to do with like understanding or epiphanies or seeing synchronicities and, and learning um, by, by that type of uh, things that are un, unfolding for you, which is more of a natural learning under a, a no pressure situation. So then, you know, I had two major points. So religion was the main point I wanted to hit on. And then you also have from, since you were a little kid, you know, starting for like, what is it? Four years old, you're taught to think and thinking in terms of how, how do you think like thinking is backwards as far as school is concerned as well, because you, And this is not to throw school under the bus. I just think it's backwards. Like there's a learning process for a child that grasps math or grasps science and that has epiphanies and has aha moments as well, as well. But cramming information into your brain and teaching a child to think and getting that activity going four, five, six, seven years old to where the brain is so busy trying to think and understand concepts and almost being forced to on a schedule adhere to that. So, you know, you, you have that pressure at a young age, but, but you're being taught to think and think on the way that, you know, I don't think we are ever supposed to learn that way. 
And then above the people that's teaching you to think, now it's basically turned into a business. And if it's not for money, it's like, oh, the government has guidelines. So, you know, you, we talk about pharmaceutical companies or, or you know, monies for, or companies for profit, but it's almost the same thing even with gov- government entities because they all have thresholds. Like all the politicians are trying to meet their their quotas to you know for re-election and it's it's a complete power grab to uh, from the top down to we have to have guidelines for you to finish uh, fifth grade or sixth grade and when you know we put that bucket or blanket approach on an entire group of kids um, I just think we fail miserably as far as instilling in them an incorrect way of thinking and and then you know on the weekends you go to your religion and the way it was when i was growing up learning the religion was kind of just like school you're just learning about a different subject so it was the same type of learning post awakening completely different like learning for me is nothing like i thought learning was and having to unlearn things that are instilled in you is kind of a tricky situation because even after awakening, things still pop up where I'm like, wow, that was really instilled in me because that just popped up. I'm like, man, I must have like, like I am the way I'm in the truth and the light for someone that grew up in a Christian religion. We would probably have a pretty heated debate about this. Like it would probably get pretty heated. And, but you have to look at things that way and you have to question them because, and, you know, blasphemy would be thrown out there. Like, how dare you say that you could be the same way Jesus was? But I mean, it is what it is when you look at it clearly. So it's kind of my thoughts to start up the show. When you said the unlearning process immediately right when you said it my mind went to kung fu movies there's always like those old kung fu movies where like the student comes to the master and like you know the master beats the student up and there's always this line from the master to the student you must unlearn what you have learned yeah you must unlearn what you have learned. And it's really, it gets super complicated, but to like start back at square one and and build on like the concept we're talking about, if you take something like, um, like a golf game or if you've ever coached a sport, we'll just say golf for an example. If you've ever tried to like coach golf, Like if somebody comes to you and they have a developed golf game, but they've developed it incorrectly, like maybe they can get out there and play golf, but you are observing as a coach and like, geez, this is not the correct way that they should be playing golf. But then when you try to take that person and coach them into the correct golf game, it's actually more difficult than if you had a student that was just coming in fresh and then never played golf. Because they've entrenched themselves in bad habits. And now when you try to break some of those bad habits, you've created like the muscle memory and 
all the conditioning and the swing in the incorrect way. And it's very, very hard to then put that the right way. You would be better off coming in as never have been playing golf before if you wanted to learn it correctly. So I think you can see it like in fatherhood, you can see it in athletics, you can see it everywhere where, and of course, in the end, like what you're talking about, you can see it with your spiritual progression. That unlearning process is, um, is a biggie. I mean, it starts, it starts in every aspect of your life. And if you're not really paying attention to the habits you're creating, like on a really base level, then you can run yourself into a lot of trouble real quick because I mean, you're going to think things like I have to solve every problem. You're going to think things like I have to be prepared for the future. You're going to think things like I need to go through this regret in the past. Like the whole system, even before you get to the institutional stuff, is very tricky to navigate when you're young. And it's very, very easy to create a bunch of uh, conditional bad habits. I would say it's very intimidating too to someone that, you know, you would say unlearned and, and basically uh, an awakening is unlearning to the, to the degree most, most of all the major constructs, those kind of come crashing down. But to someone that's never happened before, man, that's a super intimidating thing because I remember being in that place. And if someone came up to me and told me that I needed to basically unlearn the way that I was been told by, you know, all your mentors or, you know, your uh, family or, your teachers and that maybe it was kind of done just a little bit wrong. And again, everything from those sources, super well intended. So there is no, um, no looking back at anyone who may have provided misguided information, but I remember myself and that's just not something you would, you would take very well. I mean, if someone came up to me and said, you know, just me being in a religion and said, Jesus didn't mean what he said when he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And he meant that you could attain that too. In that position, I would have thought that person was blasphemous as well. That's why I can see it so clearly from this side, because I would have made that, I would have made that judgment in and I would have put myself as in a superior role where I was at, you know, years ago when I was a, you know, a kid. So I knew starting off the program is kind of like a, kind of like a shocker, but it's one of my favorite things to talk about because I think it's one of the most misunderstood topics and out there. Yeah, I 
certainly from the awakened yeah it's i think the point of view is just you know you reassess uh the religions of course for us that has a lot to do with christianity and you look back on some of the what you can remember like important lessons were and yeah they're they're just they're not at a place where they're investigating internally to the degree that people within like the meditation community are I think they kind of stumble on it in times with um, like prayer and stuff, but that real deep, like looking inside, feeling inside, um, pointing the attention back inside and not being so caught up with the words or the dogma of the scripture. Let the silence speak for itself. Like there's not a lot in like the traditional religions um especially over here in our neck of the woods that seem to go that route. Yeah. For me, I was never looking at out, you know, on, on the path of spirituality, I, you, you're like uncovering stuff. You're, you're looking under every stone. You're waiting for the next synchronicity. You're waiting for the next magic moment, uh, knowing it's going to come. And then bam, it just looks, it's like a, uh, crazy journey. Um, but, but it's never ending. I can put myself back in that situation and I say, well, what was the root to that? What would be the reason that would keep me so strong? Because when I was in the religion, I didn't care about opening up the Bible and not understanding. Like if it didn't, I didn't understand. I knew that I was supposed to be in a certain spot to get a certain outcome when you die. And it was like fear-based. So fear was like the root of that. And fear, if you look at the way things are worded, fear would be the main root that keeps people in mind control. Because I, I mean, there was... I question things more than the average person because I, I remember getting older and starting to putting out those questions and that was coming from within. I know that, but I'm just thinking as you're growing up, like it was completely fear-based. I mean, it was complete. If I don't do these actions, people are telling me I'm going to get this result. So I, I was learning that. And most people who go, they're, they're trusting in authority because all you have is, is authority um, to look up to and, until you get to a certain point and you start to question her. But even so, I mean, you can be an adult and love authority as well and, and love that. I mean, I, I was fortunate to question things and realize things at a young age and I was able to break free for myself and and begin to see things clearly but the fear you know the yeah the fear one i remember big time is i can't remember exactly how the scripture goes but it's honor thy mother and father Mm -hmm. but in that one there's like a specific penalty like and 
And if you, I think it's like, and if you do, you'll have a prosperous life. I think it's, I think it's worded like that. Um, I can't really remember the scripture, but it it was fear-based. It was like, honor thy father and and mother, or this will happen, or this won't happen. Like it's this very specific fear trigger that you're put, you're attaching to something, um, basically for control because you can from the and from the standpoint of the father you can look down on um on the children and you kind of understand my job is to let them blossom the way that they are right right you can kind of understand that um but from the point of view of the kid when the institution says honor thy mother and father and then puts penalties involved of it like the kid doesn't see it that way the kid sees like um an extra set of rules that weren't there before institutionalized fear-based rules that weren't there before and it but there was a lot of those where it's but i remember that one hitting hard where it was like and it wasn't even anything about like actually honoring your mother and father like that was easy at that time but i just thought it was weird because there was so many kids and so many situations and like you know dads running off on families and moms doing other stuff as well i mean to just have that like honor thy mother and father when some families were just so severely broken and I remember hearing it and I was like, well, dang, like that's what, what, what are you going to tell this girl who I know has no reason to honor her foot? Like she just has to eat the penalty. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of situations where kids would be served well if they didn't honor their parent. Like you said, there's some pretty bad childhoods out there that you'd, it, it doesn't make sense when you apply it. And that's that's one of the things I love to do now in this state. Um, I don't do it as often as I should, but just just for the sake of memorization, I mean, that that popped into my head to where I could use it. But I picking up the Bible and, and observing it in that way, having the past that I had is a very liberating thing because, you know, once you have that gift of, of discernment to where, you know, I could go in a room with five pastors and we all open the Bible and I'd say the same thing to them as I'm saying to you. And it would be probably some weird and confrontational messaging, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I, it, it's, it's, it's very, I guess heartwarming to know that I have that discernment to look at it and understand where things were probably tweaked along the way to import the fear factor for control. And you look at all the information we have, it's 2022. And if you look at the world today, it's still pretty corrupt. And we are in the seriousness of information age. I mean, 
it's pretty hard to escape, you know, unless you live in North Korea, you, you know, all the lights are out and we're still corrupt. Like we're still going down the same path that history has repeated uh, several times. I mean, we're in the height of nuclear warfare scares and, but it's, it's no different than, you know, than history repeating itself. It's no different than their collective ego rising and falling, rising and falling, rising and falling. It never, that pattern never ends. Um, so I can definitely understand why the Bible might have been manipulated in certain ways. And definitely for sure, I, I, would have to know and guess that there was probably more of a roadmap in, in the Bible, a roadmap to how to awaken yourself. But that, that was, that was surely taken out because, and the reason I say that is because like, you can't read a book from like Eckhart Tolle and you hear gems, but then the next page is followed by here's how you try like, like work on your breathing, work on, this like he's he's always saying a gym but he's also always saying you know here's a page to try to um for me show you the door so to speak so the bible has a bunch of gems and it's very clever because it has all these gems but uh it was tweaked in such a way where all of the mechanics and all of the methods were undoubtedly taken out i mean it's very obvious to me so when you when you're dealing with an unlearning process, um, and I know that's kind of a bold statement to say that you know because I've I've heard it a thousand times the Bible is the exact word of God like, and I would say you need to unlearn that as well because <laughs> because if you unlearn that you understand that everybody has that can attain that same spoken word. Everyone can just, it goes to the saying, like, I'm the truth. Like, you can have that truth within you. So if you have the truth within you, it's alive. It's now. So you can go to a book like the Bible and get great testament and great confirmation. But you can also have the objective lens to know when games were being played. And that's a great thing to have because... That's where the blind, blind leading the blind comes from is you, you have someone who picks up the Bible and begins to learn it in a way of learning the way they were taught. And that's ex exactly the, the opposite direction you should go in. And I, I would tell you, I didn't know what the hell the Bible said until I, until I had an awakening. When I went back and I opened the Bible after I awakened, I, it blew my mind. And I, and I probably have spent a total of an hour in the Bible after I awaken because there's no, it's not necessary to go to the Bible and learn and memorize. It's, it wasn't necessary anymore. It blew my mind in a matter of seconds. And I was like, oh, there it goes. That's what I was looking for. But it had nothing to do with the learn of it. It had nothing to do. Like I, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things ever but to the person that's asleep they might be in the bible like three hours a day like learning and reading and you know it ain't gonna get you nowhere yeah fear and a lot of its guilt uh, there's 
I I remember just coming out of the religion. So being in it throughout the childhood and like that 18, 19, 20 year old. And I can remember like within my peer group and it was basically all of them. I don't know if it's just in terms of, you know, that's what it's like to like grow up and like hit a certain point, but they were all like worn down with guilt. Every one of them had some form of like having themselves worn down from guilt. But I mean, I can remember like, um, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out for it's better to lose one eye than it is to sin for the Lord. Like those scriptures where they're dealing with the reality. There's something being said there. There's probably a truth like within that scripture but when you're 18 or 19 or 20 and you're just hearing you're all you're doing is internalizing guilt, but it's building and building and building. And next thing you know, you've buried yourself in this guilt. And then the system has you exactly where you're supposed to be by design, because now you need that revival back within the system to where you know they can tell you your love they can tell you that your worth they can tell you you know what you're supposed to do next they can tell you how much it's going to cost i mean it they've put you in that position where it's it's almost necessary just to live with the conditioned guilt from the childhood in, indoctrination into the religion Yeah, guilt is an interesting word. That's that's a rabbit hole word for sure. Um, so basically, you're saying that guilt comes from the learning of of the religion, and then to satisfy the guilt, you have to stay in a be- behavioral pattern of going back and asking for forgiveness of sins. It's a perpetual type thing yeah and and that's certainly true but at the same time there's like there's real consequences like i don't know this like personally but it's an old howard stern um skit from back in the 90s but when i heard it it ring true but they were talking about catholic girls from Catholic schools, like more likely statistically to lose their virginity anally because they thought they were saving themselves vaginally. And it's like, wait, and then you look on it and it's like, wait, there's real repercussions for the conditioning that you're putting on like this very young age group. And I know, like, I know there was, for me personally, like I witnessed like a bunch of abortions um, that came out of the church. And that's just because like the only thing within the institution that they ever taught was abstinence. Like that's the only thing that ever comes out of your mouth. And nobody has dealt with like the reality of like, well, at some point 
teenagers, just like every other teenager in history, is going to end up being sexual. And they have they haven't even put any effort into understanding what that's going to be because they've just been stepped on conditionally and and they've been told what the answer is but then when the mechanical nature of life plays out it doesn't end up playing out that way and next thing you know now they're in a position where they're having to hide having to go through um something obviously like very intense and what's going to cause even more guilt and that system's not there for them in that at that time they have to hide from the system at that time there's a lot of tragedy that I, that i saw coming out of the church with that guilt and that institutional path that, that they laid down that had real world consequences, not just feeling guilt and having to come back. I mean, it was tangible stuff where people um, were not served, were not served well. Yeah. Again, a belief system just built on the foundation of what's been passed down court culturally to them. And you're thrust into the culture that you're you're born into and it's up to you to either question the things that are come out of it into adulthood adulthood questioning you know is this a a path that you want to take or um you know to me it was just questioning that's what led me to to ultimately to to find some kind of door to where I knew where it was to push through, but it was, it was questioning. I mean, I think, I think people need to question where they're at. If they're in a a system, I think there needs to be more of that going on, like questioning, you know, even certain people in, in certain countries, you're like, do you even, does anyone even question the leadership? I mean, does anyone even question why are we doing this? I mean, why are we, why are so many lives being lost for this cause? And then I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of that questioning going on inside of homes and people's hearts. And, but it just, you look around and, there does seem to be somewhat of a awakening going on on a, on a large scale. Um, but there also seems to be that that same heightened level of ego is rising up with it. So the two are coming up to like a precipice and, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what happens in the coming days, but it just seems like a lot's going on in the world and, probably because we have all the information at our fingertips, but you know. Yeah, because it's, it's, I mean, the reality of it, the truth of it is know thyself. I mean, your, your path to understanding is all going to come through knowing thyself. And within that church system, 
when they talk about it, they talk about it as knowing Christ or or knowing the Holy Spirit. But they they've mechanically they've created something on the outside. Like you have to know this thing here that's on the outside of you. So mechanically, they have you in a position that is not is not attainable the way it is if you were doing it focusing that attention on the inside like they're it's literally like steering you away from like what you were talking about questioning like but what they want you to do is they want to question outside god is somewhere else jesus is somewhere else you need to know jesus and that he's up there verse that internal striving to put the attention inside asking the questions inside and of course you know what we understand now is that being that being the path to oneness enlightenment and god but what they're conditioning people to do is like literally mechanically the exact opposite of what they need to be doing to make spiritual progression. That's a beautiful contrast inside and outside. And you can't say it any more perfectly than inside or outside, like the path of spirituality, the path of Jesus, the path of Buddha uh, was the kingdom of heaven is within. So I know people I've heard that. I even heard that when I was in a religion, but I didn't understand it. I heard it and you, anything you don't understand, you kind of write off. But just look at the text, the context of I am the way and the truth and the light. You could also say that we don't understand the context of that, those times. Because while you were talking, I was thinking of, you know, how you would say that. And it could have very well meant the eye is the way, the eye is the truth, and the light or life. Eye is I the think light. It's light. Light. I think so. But he could be. He could have been emphasizing the eye, not as in right. context of him saying like I myself. It could have been emphasizing. But you're exactly right. The image is what religion keeps you focused on. The image. What When you walk into a building, you start seeing images. You start seeing images around you on the wall that are worship figures. You start seeing a large cross. You start seeing Jesus on the cross. You start seeing image figures. When you start seeing... It's completely external. And if you watch the crowd as well, everything is external. All the body language is like, like if you went to some, to the degree of people put their hands up, they're all, or even when you see like sports figures, they're all pointing up. When I see someone like do that and point up, I'm like, what are you, what are you pointing to? <laughs> like, that makes zero sense when you point to God. You realize that. Like, because it's an image. 
it's all outside you you can't you can't perfectly lead someone away any better than what you just said buying into a belief system that teaches you and you learn from a young age that what you're trying to access is external and if you access it externally then if you're good enough it may come to you internally but you're it never works because you're always reaching for it and i'm not good enough i'm not worthy but maybe one day i will be and there'll be like this masterful god moment where he comes into me because i've reached out to him for so long or I prayed to him so long in such a far away place or wondering if, you know, God hears my prayers, which again is one of the most bizarre statements if you're awake because you understand that you're connected to omnificence. And when you're connected to omnificence, like verses that say, you know, the hairs on your head are numbered. They kind of come to life because you're like, yeah, I understand that now. Like that, why, why wouldn't they be like, everything's on it. Like a freaking tree is, is, is as happy as can be, but we're like the gods in this place. But yet we shift all of our attention to try to find something way out in space that is fictitious. And we spend all that time and internally you get nothing. You get nothing but possibly a short-term feel good. You do get puffed up because anytime you come together collectively with a bunch of people and you all focus on the same thing, it does like feel good. You do get validation that, you know, you possibly might be, you know, your ego gets confirmation. So it, it feels like you're on the right track. Well, the pointing up to God, I mean, that's virtue signaling. So you're signaling your virtue. You're doing it in front of a crowd. The crowd receives that virtue. We'll like probably say it back. I mean, next time you're in church, you're probably going to get tons of high five. We saw you pointing to God. Having to, you know, having to prove it again. That yeah, prove but it you're doing it. You're doing it for the to signal the virtue. Yes, it's complete. Complete. I mean, yeah, it does go in line with the showing showing the faith and 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 having to be seen. Um, you know, there's there's tons of verses that talk about going to your closet where you can't be seen and shutting the lights off and nobody seeing you. That's more of a awakened verse. And what it means in that verse is like you blithering idiot. It means nothing to go stand with 300 people and raise your hands and chant to a false idol that you think you're raising up. You could get more accomplished if you go in your closet, you shut the door and you go inside. Like you could get way more accomplished that way with like eternal wisdom and knowledge and, and understand who you are. Because all you're doing is understanding that you are um, a God here, understanding your capabilities, understanding what you can access. 
like humans um, got to be one of the, in this time, one of the least most tapped into as far as, you know, I don't have the numbers or statistics, but if I had to put a number on the amount of the population that was awake versus the amount that was asleep, I mean, not 1% to 99 asleep. I mean, I, I don't know what it is, but it would probably be staggering number. Um, and that's just from not realizing what you're capable of. That's all just realizing what you can't, you can access yourself. It's just a realization that you're missing of how powerful we are. But no, you can't say that in a belief system because you, you'd be committing blasphemy. What is that? Yeah, that brings me to like, there's a, the other angle I was talking about in terms of like the unlearning process. Because the 1% is interesting. And one of the reasons why I think that might be accurate is after having a, a massive awakening, after spending that time where you get locked in no thinking, after waking up to the fact that my entire understanding of identity was created and working on its own accord. And so you get that, you get that blank place to start from. But what I find so interesting is how It's always trying to do it again. Like, so I'm fairly recent, you know, like it's, it's just everything's happened this year, but it ramps up so dramatically, so fast. And it's not like a pessimistic thought because it does point you back to devotion, point you back to meditation, point you back to quietness, silence. I mean, so it triggers the right stuff. And I think that's what's different for me now than before. But I'm just always in amazement. And I think what gives me the um, the devotional attitude is the experience. But I don't know where somebody is supposed to get that devotional attitude if they can't have the experience. Like that's where it comes from. For me, I know it's a little bit different from you, but that's why it's like that unlearning process is like a really weird question for me now because I can feel like the relearning building up on me. And I mean, we've kind of talked about this before. Like you don't want to get in that mode where it's like you set yourself up on a schedule. Like I need to meditate an hour a day. Mm, like you, right. 
you, you don't want to get there. But at the same time, I'm starting to understand like, oh, like there's a point where I need to just commit to like a big meditative session because I need to shake off all the learning I've been doing. And my point is, if people are just in that state all the time, it's like they have no chance. Because at least for me, like I'm reminded by the mystical experience that the devotion is necessary. And then I can take that time. And, and I mean, it's really interesting now when when I have like a longer, um, quiet meditation. I mean... It's almost like cleanliness. I just feel clean. Like it's all done and I'm like, oh, I can't believe like all that crap I was building. And you just let it all go. But the pace and the rate of which that learning continues all the time is, for me, it's it's just amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, because... Your that energy is always on like you, you, that you can't turn off like so it's always going. So it's like if you're not on point and we know we're not like every moment of the day. With your attention and presence, that does that means it, it's off doing something else. And so that this unlearning process, you you know, you have like the big story with the unlearning process, you know, what happens, you know, through growing up and all the conditioned learning that you have, you know, into adulthood. But now like I get these little microcosms where it's like a whole day will go by and I'm like, how am I invested in this stupid thing that is outside of me and, you know, in the collective consciousness right now? And why did I even look twice at that? Because it's dumb, but you got so invested in it. You know, like I, I had a, I had an opinion about it right. that, you know, was, you know, it was a fun little conversation in my own head. But you sit down and meditate. It's like, what the hell was that? Like, why did I let that build up to anything? Like, you know, what Nancy Pelosi said about, you know, trading stocks from Congress. Like, what? how did I let that gain a foothold? It's a, it's a very odd feeling. I see. Well, the uh, original gangster spiritual teacher was talking to someone and giving them advice on quitting smoking cigarettes, which is not a, as bad of an epidemic as it was when we were growing up. Cigarettes have kind of fallen off, but... As we grew up in adulthood, the big deal was like quitting smoking cigarettes for a lot of people because it just got to a point where the information was so high that, you know, like you can't smoke cigarettes forever. You can't be. Uh, it's just not it's just not. And you've seen like it's it's rare now, like to see someone smoking a cigarette. There's very few people that do now. So it's kind of falling off. But he. Uh, it's interesting you said that because he, someone called in and asked him and, you know, he would tell him, you know, to meditate um, and eventually it would fall off like bad habits do. 
it would fall off. Um, meaning the desire would just go and might've been a six months or a year later. Um, there was like a follow-up to that and he had been doing everything he had supposed, he was supposed to be doing, but the cigarettes hadn't fell off. And he asked the spiritual teacher, he said, you know, I've done meditation. I do it like three times a day. I'm really present, but the cigarettes haven't just fallen off. Like you said, they were going to do like, like it was supposed to just fall off. He said, why not? And he said to him, he said, you have all the tools. Now you do have to commit, but once you commit, you have all the tools to do it effortlessly. So it's not as though they fall off in the behavioral. So whenever you have something like the cigarette smoking, like the behavioral would continue forever in perpetuity. Even if you meditated every day, three times a day and was super present. But the day that you say, okay, I don't need to do this anymore. And then you apply the presence that you've learned. It's completely effortless. And there's no willpower involved in quitting smoking. But that was the main point was you can do the right thing, like meditating for three times and, and put yourself in presence. But there's certain behavioral things that you just have so much momentum in and they'll just carry on. Like I get up, I go get in the car, I go drive to the convenience store, I buy a pick of cigarettes, I smoke the cigarette. You can almost do that in presence as a behavioral thing until the day you say, okay, I need to apply presence to it. I, I've, I've learned. And as soon as you do that, then it falls off. But it's still like, it was interesting because that cue, like there still had to be that last step was, Hey, okay. I recognize this is like 100% behavioral at this point. It's almost like alcohol. It's to the point where like, you know, at five o'clock, you don't have any alcohol in the fridge. You're like, well, I got to go to the store. You just get in the truck and you drive the store. It's like a behavioral thing. You're not even thinking at it at that point. You just know for every Friday night you've drank for the last year that that is a perpetual thing. So that it's not that if you didn't apply the tools and said, that you wouldn't be able to effortlessly not do that anymore. But when you were speaking, it just made me think of that, that rendition there. Cause I, I learned a lot from, from that moment. Yeah. I remember when I decided that I needed to stop smoking. Uh, I was very young. Um, and it was mainly because of athletics. Like I started to see it, um, interfere with my athletics. So when I made the decision, I was, I was very steadfast and I, I committed very hard to the decision, but it, it was very interesting because I remember feeling the desire for cigarettes and feeling it rise to like a very extreme level. But that desire for cigarettes had a reaction of stubbornness. So it would rise like I really, really want a cigarette, but because I felt that desire, my stubbornness would just overcome it 
because I was just like, well, that's not happening. So it was like this like pure stubbornness where I got myself out of cigarette smoking. And I can remember being like so proud of myself because I'm like, oh, like I'm the master of my own addictions. <laughs> like I'm I'm pretty good at this. Like lots of people have trouble with smoking and I just decided to do it and then I was done. And I remember like walking away from that experience, like grateful for cigarette smoking, grateful for the opportunity to get to quit the way that I did. The only problem is I brought away from it like such an ego construct of like what my capabilities were that I can see now that was one of the early processes that buried me in my own superiority. Yeah, I would say that's what makes you unique for sure. I mean, you're awakening, no doubt, but not too many people quit with that kind of construct. Not too many people can quit under those pretenses and how you just explained. But I could see how, you know, it could perpetuate a, a, a system in your head of of going in that direction now. But most, well, I can't speak for most people. I just know more people were to struggle with quitting than in your case. So it was always, you know, the struggle would would win out and and you know you'd say i have to get relief from this struggle so i have to smoke a cigarette so and and the problem when i learned i was like oh you can't get to the point where you're in a struggle in your head like that whole you, you can't get to that point you have to be objective before it even gets there um because as soon as you start to struggle in your head, for me, it was go get a cigarette to relieve that. Kind of like, you know, you said you had tortured yourself so much that coming home and, and drinking was like, maybe I just don't have to think anymore. It was more of a relief. The same thing yeah. with cigarette smoking. It was once there was a struggle, it, you might as well just go and and because you started talking back to the, the thing that wanted to go get a cigarette and you say, no, I quit. And then you start that back and forth and all of a sudden it's a struggle. <clears throat> but the effortless part for me was it never goes to the head. It never goes to the head. There's no way to continue. There's zero chance. Yeah. That's interesting. Especially when you, like look at the two scenarios and obviously like both are a little bit different, but when you're talking about like, you have to unlearn what you have learned, like both of us in our own personal way, in our dealing with our own sense of self. And it's like unlearning the things that make you capable in life unlearning the things that like have propelled you to this moment now unlearning like stuff that I remember looking back on. And 
I mean, we're talking about an accomplishment. We're talking about how things work internally for us to overcome something with our will and in the end being accomplished at that goal. So something that, I mean, you can't, you can't describe it as anything other than like progression in life, but progression in life to the good, good meaning to your health, good meaning to your better habits, but all of that still laying the groundwork for a learning process that in the end is just another another process that is burying you in your own identity and it, the whole that's the whole thing is like wh- where i'm at now is like i see them developing but when i look back like i i just look I look back on everything. I'm like, man, that moment, that moment there, like I grabbed onto that moment and I made it me. That's a big part of what me was that moment. And there's so many of those moments, but it's so funny now because you, once I had like the slate, like wiped clean and I can see those moments for what they were but now they always pop up all around me where I'm like, oh, I really want to make that me. Oh, I really want to make that me too. And they're just, it's constant. It's just, and it's funny, it's amusing, it's entertaining, but I'm really starting to understand, you know, not in terms of like getting on like a meditative schedule, but I, I'm really starting to understand like the necessity of taking the time to be quiet because I, I remember even talking like a couple weeks back, I kind of claimed like some of that identity where I'm like, Oh, I can just do it on the run. I can just do it on the move. I can just do it like listening to the birds and looking at the trees, Mm. but building up in you. And the next thing it's like heavy. It's like, it's like heavy constructs of identity and it's slow. I mean, it's slow and it's subtle. It's, you know, one little more piece, you know, maybe two or three a day, but next thing you know, like two weeks has gone by and it's like, what is this all over me? What is all this identity that I've picked up? And then you can really get the sensation of getting yourself clean by taking that time and really being devoted to a good long meditation set session and and you and you get out of that and it's like wow like I, it's like weightless but that watching the unlearning process like in a in a in a more acute timeline meaning like on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis i feel like it, i can see it all the time around me now so now multiply that times oh, about 25 years and then yeah. five months ago you have an awakening and what that sends me into 
You yeah. can only imagine, you know, knowing what you know now, just going through the years with, you know, minimal people that you could say were awake, awake that you could talk to. I mean, it did create a level of, of, of dormancy other than, you know, books and, and, and listening to people like, like we do now. But I did, you know, meditating in the morning is, is one big key factor. Um, but I just, I understand what you're talking about. I understand how it builds. I could see it clearly. Um, me in, in the truck, it's definitely a different experience now. And I never take, this is why I don't, because the trickery in the head for me when it gets to that point is somehow that you're not on, on, on the right path or the same path or I'm off the rails. And what I learned was, you know, even if it's, a, you know, the, the first second that I'm driving down the road and my hand starts to glow warm and I'm present that I'm, I'm right there where I need to be immediately. And I was getting tripped up with the amount of time, uh, like just a successful meditation. You might say to yourself, like, I, I it's not going to be as grandiose unless I sit here for 20 minutes and am quiet and do it in a fashion I kind of let that all go and meditate more on a all day type, like what you said. However, I do think it's good to get in a routine of in the morning, you starting your day with, with some quiet time. It's just hard to, it's hard to put goals and time limits on meditation and what you should do. So it doesn't turn into something because once it turns into something, you start playing games in your head. Like, you know, well, I didn't do what I, what I should be doing like 20 minutes or you had time to do it for 10 minutes and, you know, you leave maybe thinking, well, did it, was it a good session as yesterday? Cause yesterday I did it for 20 minutes. I mean, you could just start to play those games in your head, but now after you had the second awakening in that doubt seed never really plays a role in me, no matter how my day goes, if I find myself in a situation where I might've lost myself for a second, I just take my attention to my hand and I center myself right then and there. I center myself. Um, if I feel like I've gone down a thought stream and I become aware of it, then I, I notice it and, and, and obviously very grateful that my awareness sees it. And I just pull myself and ground myself with my hand. And, um, you know, that, that's something that's constantly done, but those doubt seeds, as far as, I mean, I love that about this new, new, uh, revival awakening that I've had to just the doubt seed has like zero impact on me whatsoever. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's, it's more just, I mean, it's all awareness and it's all just observing how 
everything works. And I think it's just, it ends up being very personal, not like intimate personal, but I mean, just very um, specifically what you are dealing with in your perception of things. And um, like there was an Alan Watts quote from Twitter I saw yesterday and uh, it said, and I might not be getting this perfect, but it said, if you're going to sit and play the flute, sit and play the flute. If you're going to sit by the river, then sit by the river. If you're going to think through a problem, then think through a problem. But don't let your mind just unconsciously be leaky. And as soon as he, like that leaky mind, as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, that's so me, that leaky mind. Mm, like That's a good point. You, it's... um. And I, I think it's just, I mean, it must be like a, like an energy thing. Like if I'm not on point and I let it, and, and I get distracted, I mean, I, so you could get distracted about, um, you know, any of the stuff you're dealing with in form, but a little bit of distraction and it's off to the races, it's off to the races and it's, even that it's not a bad thing because um, I do get those moments where I, st- I get that moment of clarity where I'm like, Whoa, I was, I was a goner there. What was that? And so you, you get that, you know, coming to moment as well. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be grateful for in my experience because I mean, that ends up being pretty powerful um, as well, but it's, it's just interesting the because it it could even be like spirituality it can even like even the podcast like the podcast um you know normally we talk at some point during the week and like we're trying to come up with you know a concept but like this concept in particular like when you told me this one i had like three hardcore daydreams about this topic but I'm ha- I'm doing the podcast alone, like in my head with you. So, like before we even get to this point. So yeah, there, I I think we do need some clarification in that as well because there are times when, and it's it kind of hit me when I was driving home today, and and I started flowing, and I think there's a I think there's a difference there because, like I said when I would write or a writer writes, he projects, I want to go here. And then he's patient and he waits for the flow and he begins to write. So the writing is a physical thing he's doing. But if you weren't writing, what would you be doing? You'd be flowing to yourself in your head. Like you would be flowing to yourself. I did a lot of that when, um, well, I just did it today. I know on the way home, but there is a discernment there to observe. I can feel the flow even when I'm having a conversation to myself. I'm like, that's good. I need to write that down. And um, those two verses is what came to mind when I was writing home. I was like, what am I going to talk about? What could be a good lead in? What And then, those things pop into my head 
And there's a difference is what I'm trying to explain. I think there's, okay, so the, the quote you just said was, if you're doing this, do that. I feel like in that moment, like when I got in the truck and pulled off from that store and I was on the final drive home, it's a 45 minute straight shot. My intention internally was I want to project out some planning and see what flow comes to me. And I was doing that in a truck for like 10 or 15 minutes, but that's what I was doing. I was doing it. It was different than like building construct. So I, I think there's huge clarification there to, and, and I, I understand, you know, your point of view too, like everything is suspect. And I totally get that statement because I, I totally understand what you're saying. But the only thing I can relate it to is writing. And when I wrote that book, like you have to, if you're going to write and you're going to do it from within and from a flow, I'm by myself. So I have to say, you know, if I want to start a flow, what is conditioned thinking? And then I'm patient and then I start to go in the flow and I just start writing. As though I'm answering a question with you right on the podcast. But if if my pen wasn't on paper or my fingers weren't on keyboards, it would be right back to me up here. So there there's 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 an avenue on this podcast to where we can have a conversation between two people. So it, it's but I think that there's a difference there. And I think there's a there's a big difference. Now, it doesn't mean that I can't that for 10 or 15 minutes say, um, you know, I have found a flow and then all of a sudden, you know, I fall into a trap 15 minutes later and go on some ego trip about how great I am or something. I'm not saying that that couldn't happen. And then all of a sudden you're confused, like, wait a second, I thought I was just flowing to myself. And now I'm like puffing myself up because I think I'm great for coming up with this idea. I'm saying there wouldn't be a trap that come after, but I'm saying there is different things that go on inside the head that wouldn't be like building construct. Would you agree or do you see that? I mean, I agree. I mean, one of the things I thought when you said that is maybe I should just try writing and just to see what that experience feels like. Um, I, I, this is the last time I was flowing. Um, Self-deception is extraordinary, but who am I deceiving? The quiet one knew all along. That's me flowing. But it like shuts me up. Self-deception is extraordinary, but who am I deceiving? Like self-deception, portrayal, like who am I deceiving? There's, there's, that flow, it's it's very hard for me to, um, especially if I'm by myself, 
it's very, very hard for me to know where that stopping line is. And it's, it's very similar to like what I was talking about with my daughter, like, and you have like a good manifestation, a good loving thought flow. And I don't have any judgments about myself for, for letting that go because you know, you're manifesting positive love energy to her, even though you can kind of catch it as a daydream. But then I realized later that it's also a way in for a whole, like it, it builds a way in. It's, it's like a door, but now other stuff can come through that door and it can take like a right hand turn to something like superiority. Absolutely. That's the whole thing all the time where I, I understand like there's flow where, um, I'm I'm confident about what that is. But for me, the problem is like these doors that I open to my thought. And then I don't know how to shut the door when I'm done. And now the door's wide open and like stuff just keeps coming through. Yeah, that's um that's pretty cool to see. It's pretty cool to see that working, though. I mean, that's 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 pretty interesting. I would say that to uh, delve down that road, and and when whenever maybe it was just because I needed to see if if I could do it. But one of the most uh, rewarding things for me was to try to access that flow was writing because with writing it was i don't know if i mean i know i sent you the book but almost everything starts out with a question i had to ask the question to initiate the flow and we've talked about the podcast just as far as like questions and if we ever have you know a guest that's asking the right questions it just it just is crazy flow at that point Um, but when you're writing, you kind of have to ask the question to yourself. Like you have to ask, you know, what is conditioned thinking? You want to do, you know, a chapter on conditioned thinking. Well, I have to say, I'm sitting here at the desk. I, I have my hands on the keyboard. I have to say, what is conditioned thinking? And then I have to wait for some type of spark in the mind's eye. And then once once I get that spark, then I just let those sparks keep keep riding, and then I get the same kind of resonation as though I'd be reading a Buddha quote, and that would be the resonation back to me of I'm in a flow because I can't. I mean, even if you're put, no matter who's putting it out there, I mean, your ears can hear whether you're saying it or I'm saying it. My ears can hear it. That's why you listen to back to the podcast. And I can't believe that I can actually listen to myself and not get like weirded out because I've heard it from you and I've heard it from me. And when I listen to myself, my ears hear like flow and I fit, I like, wow, this is really raw. I can't believe how much of the flow that I hear. And I've heard a lot of flow from you as well. 
So I think, I think as far as practicing like discernment, writing is, is a really good tool just to, if nothing else, seeing how those doors work. Like, cause if you sit down with pen or paper or typing or however it is, you're going to access the flow and at least you're going to be putting yourself in that situation where, you know, okay, here it is. This is what it is. But then you'll get practice on where does that lead you? Like where are the traps at? Like, Oh, it's trying to open a door here. It's trying to open a door here. And just, it's just comes down to practice. Too, yeah. At that point for me, it did. Cause I was, um, I knew that I was going to, I already knew that I could put things in the words well, that I kind of liked doing that. So you can imagine like Hayden has that characteristic. She can write really well. So if she has a massive awakening. She's probably going to want to write like instantly. That was my thing. It's probably going to be her thing. Like she has that writing ability. But then when you awaken, it's like, holy shit, let me see how I can really write. <laughs> and then you right. do it to experience it. And it, um, but the only reason I suspect flow and have confidence in that is because it's the same process as writing. Like when I was driving home, I knew I was just doing the same thing I do when I was writing. And then, you know, once it's in my brain, you know, my mind's eye will just flash of the moment that. I was thinking of this verse or that verse or, or, or what, what it was, or if I don't think I'm a remember, I can write down one or two words to spark my memory for the pod, podcast. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's when you were talking, I was definitely reminded of agent Smith. And then like part of my contrast, like if, even when I'm like, when I know like I'm speaking truth to myself and I'm feeling a flow, there's, there's a very big contrast between that and like those first two weeks where I wasn't telling myself some truth that I know. Like that's not how it worked back then. Like back then, I just knew truth somehow. And then like this new flow, you know, like the truth is getting spoken out of your mouth. So, I mean, it, it's helpful because you can share it with somebody. You can put it as a message. But it, it feels so. Um, I mean, there's just a big contrast to it. So like it's just it's just not fully ex accepted. I mean, it's, it can be fully accepted, but it's, there's just a huge, huge contrast. Yeah. There's a huge, huge contrast between, I mean, just telling the Walmart story and feeling the Walmart story. You know, there's just those huge contrasts. I can't, I think they're just fresh and, um, And I, I feel like now, like my movement, like in that direction, like in that direction of flow, it just reminds me of the matrix where, 
you know, Neo is awakened. Neo has the defeat of Smith, but every defeat of Smith, Smith just ends up matching Neo all over again. And it's this yin and yang match that just kind of continues through the entire confrontation. And Smith is able to mirror Neo's move the entire process. And I just feel like that's where it is. It's like I have like moments where I can feel the flow and I can understand that I'm speaking truth, but it's like it's creating a mirror for the ego to understand itself at that point. And it gets very, very confusing because it's just like when I was talking about stopping cigarettes, like there's something about like that desire and then like immediately is met with a certain stubbornness. And then if the desire wants to go higher, that's fine. The stubbornness will just come with it. There's like always this weird, um, like double ladder. Like when one climbs, the other one climbs too. I do know what you're saying. The first two weeks of the awakening, they for, there's almost a sense of it feeling and coming so natural. Like I would ask you something and you just knew the right thing to say. Like every single time it was no, no thought whatsoever. Um, I can see the contrast and I see what you're talking about as far as those moments being so effortless in right after the awakening and how that, how that is there, there's basically no construct there whatsoever. I definitely feel you on that. And I definitely get the Neo analogy. Um, I see, I see where you're coming from. And the only thing that I know it's not as powerful as those first two weeks and I already know like the games that are played after my first awakening. But I have to always, when I, when I hear resonation, it just gives me like this ultimate confidence in, in what it is that, that for one post awakening, like something is in me that no one can ever take away. Like I, I always have that. Like I know like something happened to where I can't be got. And I've always had that even after the first awakening, like you can't. So there, there is a sense of that. I, I don't particularly understand why other than, the world that we live in, why you can't stay in that two week space after awakening. And my only hunch or is that we are bombarded so much in this place that it's almost entirely impossible. If you, unless you talked about doing what you're talking about, like going full like monastery or like Buddha, just off into the woods you go and leave everything, all attachments behind. 
And with our attachments, and you've even said it yourself, like some of the construct had to be built back, but it was built back in full awareness of all the awareness you have now. So there is a construct that was built back for the sake of where you live, where your responsibilities lie. And the same for me, like I have that second time. So I've seen it twice, but you do see stuff you're like, wow, that first week for me probably wasn't as, 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 as great at the moment as far as feeling for you. Uh, but it, it, it was still a lot for me and it still was way more then than it is now that feeling. And it's a huge contrast for me as well from that moment to now. I just have to take into consideration that that yin and yang is, is where we are now. I just have to accept it fully and know that it's there. But then like when I hear resonation and I hear the flow, I just have to know where I'm at. And, but you're right. Like it, it, that, that yin and yang feels like in this place, in this form, uh, aside from, the first couple of weeks of awakening, it, it's almost like the, the good fight. And I don't know uh, two other words to put it. Then, then it is that constant Neo against the Legion of agents. Um, but there's, like I said, there's moments that happen, the synchronicities and the things that we can do to make this place interactive that make it really fun and interesting. But it, I have to lean on those things with everything. Man, you hit me hard there. That hit real hard. Yeah, because, I mean, it's almost like... It's almost like there's an echo sometimes where I could I could say, um, oh, that's a really good point. And then it's almost like immediately, like, who just said that? And then it's like, who just said that? Who just said that? Who just said that? And it's like, what are you doing? Like the, it's like the awareness of the awareness also now has its own goddamn identity. It's ridiculous. Like, like just to have the brain on. And that's when I'm starting to realize um, this week, what I was kind of trying to mention, like just more devotion to like, I'm going to need, um, like a good healthy session more often than what I'm doing now, just to shut that system down again, because that is one thing that I'm super grateful for. And, um, one thing of many lasting effects, like a good, um, devoted meditative session. And I know like lots of people, do lots of meditation, but I'm just saying like that experience taught me how to meditate. Like I see the silence. I can go into the silence. I can shut the thoughts down, even though I understand like, that's not what talking to somebody who's new to meditation. You don't want to attack it like that. But I'm saying like, I, I do achieve the state where like I can shut it down. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. Um, but it, it does remind me of being back in those two weeks, but, um, yeah, you, 
you really hit me hard because you're right. Like I was admitting early on that I am building a construct, but I'm doing it out of necessity of where I am in this time, in this, in this now. And I need something to like put a foot in front of the other to keep moving. And that was all by will. Yeah. Yes, because you, um, Not much, I don't know if you remember, but it was very hard for you to accomplish anything in that two-week period. Yeah. It was very yeah. difficult for you to, like, accomplish anything. I mean, it was a constant state of bliss that required, uh, you know, a moment like that in Walmart required you to view it for 15 minutes. But it, it wasn't... It, it wasn't aligning with like getting things done in a timely manner. I mean, he looked at a, right. a spider for an hour. I mean, you were getting, <laughs> it was, um, well, I remember my wife saying, can you pick the kids up from school? at like at three o'clock. And I remember thinking to myself, Oh, that might be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to leave at noon. <laughs> But yeah. So I yeah, I, I get an overwhelming sense now, like even like those awakenings, no matter how short a time, I get like this thing, like you know, something I receive, like no one can like for instance, like a, a belief system, like you can buy into Christianity and you can do all the right things, but at, at the end of the day, like if you get someone who's really like strong and headstrong, like they can rip you to pieces, like they can get you like someone in this world can get you. They, they can just do it. Whether it's me or the next person, like your preacher, like the one you're looking up to, he's getting, someone can get you. What happened with me is overwhelming sense. Like I got something that I carry with me that nobody can, can got that. Nobody can. Right. And so when I have in, 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 you know, the word long suffering comes to mind too, because it's, it's, it's a weird place. We're here in form. We witness a lot of things that are bizarre. Um, you know, you're, you're in a, a land where 99% of the people are asleep and, you know, I think it would be, and I do want to say, I believe there's places in the universe or other universes where, you know, a hundred percent of the population is awake. I think we're in an infancy stage here. Um, I think it's a crazy place to be as far as be in this state that we're in. Uh, uh, but I, I also can see clearly that there's all different kinds of, planets out there with different levels of of consciousness but for me i just take that with me every day and it's it's like a long suffering type of thing i'm grateful for the moments that i hear resonation i'm grateful for the moments that i listen back i'm like well i i still have awareness i still have <laughs> i still have this i still have that and um just just something that you can't take that 
from anyone. You know, it's, it's something that's instilled in you the correct way, that wholeness that you've always looked for. And now it's happened to me twice. Like, yeah, um, I can't be penetrated in, in, in the category of like mind control, brainwashing. I can't be, be penetrated. Like <clears throat> I would get lashed and like cut up and, and uh, abused before I was able to be penetrated, tortured, whatever it was. I, w- I would be going down that road before I was actually like taken for a ride, which to me, that's like the ultimate prize. That's what I was searching for. That's what I got. And, you know, too many things have happened in my life now that, you know, you could say seeds of doubt manifested over the years, but not anymore. Yeah, you can. The 99% is interesting because, I mean, you, especially like with kids and fatherhood and stuff, I mean, there's just, I mean, I've tried a couple of times um, mentioning like just slowing down, just spending some time quiet, just try to sit still and close your eyes and not be engaged with anything. I mean, it's like nearly impossible for the young. I mean, they just don't, they just don't have any, um, any drive in that direction. But I think that it's, I, I mean, if you try to imagine like how many people out there, like, you know, take a half hour a day and don't engage it with anything and just be quiet with themselves. I mean, not awake or, or not awake. Like you don't yet, like how many people do that? Like that's gotta be like a real small amount of people. I don't even necessarily do that every day. I I would think it was, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that say they do that every day as well. Right. Um, so the actual numbers of the amount of people that would, I mean, that's the first complaint of anything I've ever heard is where do you get the time to do this? And that's all that right. is, is the ego brain fighting back right there saying, I'm not going to make yeah. time. Are you kidding me? Right. That would mean I have to die. <gasps> <laughs> that would mean I would have yeah. to dissolve. But I know, I know the game because I was there, but I was putting myself in there, there on purpose. So I already know the thought processes, especially when you're not awake. I know the thought processes of pushing through that door when you're, when you're not awake. I mean, your ego brain will say anything and everything to you to get you to not sit down and be quiet. It's one of the biggest phenomenons ever because now, you know, I have the ability to be present and know where that is. Like when I get up or on this podcast or drive down the road, pre-awakening, when you're saying, I want to be quiet, 
other than maybe going putting yourself in a mantra to where you don't face pain at all like there's i think there's a lot of people that do that like go in there and just sit quietly but uh, they think they're quiet but their mind's going they don't even realize it that's how asleep they are and they, i know people mm-hmm. do that as well but there has to be such a level of authenticity when you're pre-awake awake because you you have to be so honest with yourself and a lot of people i don't think are willing to face like that kind of brutal honesty with oh i have to be sincere too like I can just shut my eyes, but I have to shut my eyes and be sincere. And I have to have a lot of integrity in this moment by myself because I need to go towards the pain. And most people, if they were to sit quietly pre-awakening, they would probably be in thought stream most of the time because the thoughts, like you go into the thought stream to avoid the pain. So a lot of people which I did too, but I'm saying the sincerity comes in when you're not awake is trying to learn what your awareness is and keep pulling yourself back, even if you do it like a hundred times and then just staying in that pain longer and longer each time. And that's hard to do when... Yeah, where would somebody get like the ability not to lie to themselves? I don't even understand like I don't even understand where that comes from because I feel like 100% of my ability to be honest with myself is because I understood the level of the self betrayal. Like I wasn't able to be honest with myself. I mean, I thought I always was. But there was no mechanism for it. But it's we it's almost like what came first, the chicken or the egg? And now, like, you're going to say, well, okay, the egg came first. And the, so, who laid the egg? Yeah, for me, it was physical, though. I think that was the big difference between me and you. I mean, I wanted, like, physical relief. I know you felt like your chest release when you had the awakening that day. I felt like I was walking around with like this very intense anxiety in my chest. And you had authenticity when you were. 100%. Once I found one, yeah. once I heard what I heard and the voice that I heard, it was like you listening to Eckhart Tolle, but you weren't awake. So. <clears throat> Once you awake, you want to listen to people like Eckhart, right? Because it's comforting. Yeah. I got that comforting when I was asleep. Most people don't get that. You you told me when you listened to Eckhart Tolle that you wrote him off because he's like, this guy's just saying the same. Your construct did not allow it. Right. You wrote him off. You said, well, this guy just got famous by saying the same thing over and over. I could do that. You know, that was your construct at work. Right. When I heard truth completely asleep, I found comfort immediately. Immediately. So for some people, in my case, I don't know how rare I am. I don't know how rare you are as far as how what happened to you. I found comfort immediately. So that tells me like people that are asleep, we talk about listeners for the podcast, like, 
you have a more of a view like, yeah, I, I totally get it. I know that there's people out there who's asleep that would, it would be a snap of a finger too. It's like there's 5,000 people there that are probably like me that they hear truth even though they're asleep and they're like glued, like done. Like they've, it's almost like it opens up a portal with a voice and you're like, well, I never knew where the door was, but I know that's where the door, I know where it's coming from. So when I got that confirmation, so they're noticing that they're honest with themselves just by hearing that. So it's resonating. They're accepting it honestly. And now is it teaching truth and they've just never heard it before. And then that's why it resonates so hard. So for me, something resonated and I didn't know what that meant. So I was asleep. Just say you listen, say you, you woke up and then, you know, in that first two weeks, you listened to Osho or Eckhart and something hit you hard. That happened to me when I was asleep. That wouldn't have happened to you when you were asleep. Correct? Right. Yeah. Exactly. That happened to me when I was asleep, but I could not explain why. So imagine if that happened to you when you're asleep, it resonates. That then all of a sudden you're like, well, I have to trust this because something just resonated within and I have no idea why. And no person or no vibration or no voice or has ever done that before. So was that the mechanism for you understanding how to be honest with yourself? Yes, that was the inspiration. That was the inspiration to when I sat down to be very authentic. Yes. Yeah, it was like I trusted like the pathway at that point. And I knew the pathway was sitting down. And I think integrity is a bigger word because so like honest with yourself, like you I don't necessarily think you're dishonest with yourself if you sit down and meditate, like you're trying to wake yourself up and then you go just say, I go and sit down for 30 minutes and I'm in thought stream and I have zero sincerity. It was at that point, it would be like, I don't have any integrity because I'm sitting, I know the path, but I'm going to go sit quietly in a room and accomplish nothing. Like there's not going to be any sincerity. So I'm not sure I completely see where you're talking about honesty as opposed to I knew that if I wanted to stay in the place where this guy was at, <clears throat> that I was going to have to push through like be very sincere with what's going on internally with me. And I was going to have to face that. And that was more of like, do I have the integrity to do that by myself and I was the physical anxiety. I was like, hell yes, I do. Like I want to push through that door. And it was just about being super sincere with where I knew that door was. And that meant sitting quietly and knowing that Thought streams, you know, were going past, you know, I'd never dealt with anything probably correctly in my whole life. So you're dealing with, you know, things that pop up and pop up. You're sitting there 
And it's like you're trying to force an awakening that you had. And it's, I think, a very difficult thing to do. But also at the same time, if you're willing to be sincere, um, it can be accomplished. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I agree that there's probably a lot of people and like they're resonating and then you know them understanding truth I, I, i'm just trying to understand like from that point of view and it's just for some reason i can't get there because i'm just stuck with like sincerity or being honest with myself and i just thought i always was so you're talking about in the very the very preliminary stages of hearing a voice of truth and being honest with yourself. I see what you're saying because your construct construct would lie to you basically or lie to that voice. Yeah, but I but I thought I was being honest with myself. Correct. So I don't understand like how you could get so over I, that. I could tell you from my perspective, it was completely vibrational, had less to do with the voice, more of like a vibrational bang straight to the heart. Oh, yeah, because we also talked about that, like most of my voice was construct to help me or to defend me from feeling. Correct. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yes, yes. So you were able to, like, take stuff through the heart. What, like, it didn't even go, like, that type of truth when it resonated. I mean, you'll notice now, like, it, it's not even a brain thing. It just, bam, it hits you right here, right? Yeah. But so that yeah. happened to me when I was asleep. It did go to my brain, but I had many conversations with people and it goes straight to your brain. This particular thing that I heard went straight to the heart and I was like, whoa, this is like a defibrillator. And then it's like, oh, there's a door there. I've never, I've never seen a door to like the heart. I guess we'll just say the heart chakra. I've never seen a door there. So what I'm saying is like, people that are asleep some of those people have their heart chakra wide open you did it oh wow yeah yeah you want to talk about the blockage of energy and like you know that you know we see a lot of people on twitter talking about block chakras you would probably Mm -hmm. be an expert on how to block the heart chakra (laughs) <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i mean yeah because I, re- I remember i mean it was it was almost somewhat respectable because i knew like a, a lot of stuff that you know may maybe affected me on the outside didn't appear to affect you and that was always like wow how, how is he doing that and it, like it's like you had a wall on the heart chakra like nothing could penetrate like it, it all went here first all of it oh i get it now i mean that that uh was eye-opening but 
So that's when because I say I'm, vibrational because the heart yeah. chakra is more vibrational. Like it was more like yeah. I, the vibration of the voice, like I knew it was coming from a place that I'd never heard anything come from. And then the words that were coming like, Oh, that's matching up with the heart chakra. Like everything was clicking. Yeah, dude, I get it. Uh, yeah. I just, I put a lot together there. Yeah, that's good. So that's why I think it's big for us as far as the chakra work too, because discovering, Mm -hmm. you know, the lower chakras and some of the work we've done there, I think there, there is portals there that we have no idea what the hell we're talking about. And, and, you know, exploring that is, you know, something that I think is, is very advantageous for us just, just because, I mean, you've proven that you can block chakras and, you know, we, I don't want to be the guy that has the upper awakened, but, you know, I have no idea what's going on with the lower chakras. I mean, we could be missing, you know, half, half the boat. Right. Well, it's funny because that brings up um, like a new technique thing that i stumbled on um it was totally my experience i haven't heard anybody talk about it i haven't done any research on it but um i started doing tai chi moves Mm -hmm. which are pretty interesting um there's some great youtube stuff but it's, it's going through moves and the idea is like you're pushing the energy aura around with your hands like your own aura and and kind of get interested in the moves, but it'll light your hands up pretty good. Both of them. And then you can kind of get your hands going back and forth where you can feel, um, get them both going pretty, um, lots of awareness, get them both tingling. And then I took my hands and I'm, when I got behind my ears, I sealed the sound off. So you know how like you can take the flap of skin and like if you stick your fingers with your ears, there's that vacuum sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you there's like a that or like you can you can feel it when you like you go underwater. Like there's right. a sealing of the ears, but I did it from here. But I couldn't tell, and I can't do it all the time. But if I activate the hands really hardcore and then I go past my ears, it's it's as if I sealed them, but I'm not touching them. But I don't know if it's what I can't figure out if it's my hands activated to that degree or if it's something in my head that I'm like pinching off. But just a new sensation that I found. And it's very, very um fluctuational like sometimes it's like super super subtle and sometimes i do it i'm like whoa like i can just close off my the sensation of hearing it's very but on top of that like my ears have been ringing um i feel like that's getting worse 
So you know, just, I I deal with vibration in my ears, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, it, it I mean it's happened a few times while we've been talking, and it's um, it's kind of hard to describe. It's, it doesn't bother me or anything, but it's a a buzzing vibration, and it happened in this ear while we were doing the podcast too. But it's a it's like an energy vibration. Yeah. Um, and I can't, I can't put my finger on what, what I would think that would be, but I can almost intensify that energy and make it vibrate harder once it starts. Um, but I haven't figured out what it is. I feel like it's a a presence thing. Like sometimes I get flowing and I, you know, start to feel my breath and then my my ear will start vibrating. I'm like, well, I mean, does it just mean that I'm vibrating at a, at a higher level right now or, you know, but then it can happen at odd times when I'm just sitting in the chair. So nothing that bothers me, just something that I've always been curious about and I can't put my finger on where, where it's coming from. Yeah. Um, I wonder if there's times where, um, yeah, if the energy is just coming up and out, if it's just, um, you know, obviously stronger at times, but yeah, like almost like a little spillage. That's what like it feels like. Of, yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah. it, it does feel like something's like coming. It's, it's invasive. It's it's inv- yeah. it's not invasive, but it's invasive. <laughs> like I don't, it, it doesn't bother me a bit. Like I'll just be sitting in the chair or something that comes up, but it's an invasive procedure. Like I, I, there's no predicting when that comes. You up. don't have a you, you have a positive outlook of energy. So anytime you're feeling it, you would have a positive outlook. But I bet you some people could think it's evasive. Because mm-hmm. like tendonitis, like that's people have like the ringing in their ears, mm. and but I'm having the ringing in in my ears. But like I'm with my, I, I mean I wouldn't call it tendonitis or anything. I just think it's it feels like. It feels like like I crank the dial. Like, so you sit there, you're in presence and, you know, you activate your hands and like, okay, I'm starting to feel some energy here. And it's like you crank the dial and then like your ears start ringing. Hmm. Yeah. That's, do you have any joint pain or anything like that? No. No. Not really. No. So... You know, I I was dealt with ice cream sales for what was it like seven or eight years, and so anytime that you do long term cold touching, like with hands, like they say that increases like arthritis coming to you at a young age, and it did. It came into my knuckles and basically my main knuckles. And there was just pain there and it would be pain even when I wasn't doing anything. Like we'd just be sitting watching TV 
Um, but it's a success story if this ever happens to you because I bought <clears throat> CBD and Patty helped like she would rub it in for like 20 minutes and, you know, massage it in, into the joints. <clears throat> and we did it for like probably three months, I would say. It was a commitment. And I don't have any pain and haven't had any pain for at least a year, like zero pain. The CBD is one of those controversial items. And a lot of people look for drugs to like, like I need to take a drug and feel good today. And CBD definitely doesn't work that way. Um, but for joint pain, remarkable. Not only does it take it away, but it has like healing attributes to where like, I don't have any arthritis in my knuckles. And when I tell you I had pain on a daily basis, I don't know if you've ever had nagging joint pain. It's, it's just what it is. It's like this nagging, lingering, like just uncomfortable. We're just going to sit there and it's going to bug the heck out of you just because it's going to be like an acute pain. It's all gone. And, and I had pain like every day. From being an ice cream man, this is weird. It's weird, um, but CBD was a a wonder drug for for me in my circumstance. But Patty was spending so much time on it. It makes me wonder if, like, her attention and time, yeah, maybe was part of it too. I mean, if she tells the story, she's a healer. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which <laughs> that. I mean, that's part of it too. Like she's, she's really good with her hands and, you know, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from, from the work that she did because it was, uh, it was, it was a long-term deal. I mean, just stayed devoted to, you know, rubbing in, in, in every night, but yeah, I don't, she healed my fingers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I put all of my healing energy into my pineal gland. I don't know that I need to do that, but most of what I read about it and stuff, it's it's like uh, calcifying as you age. It's always in a state of calcifying. So I always envision it as like vibrating and like, shaking like a stone covering loose and like this stone shattering on the pineal and then just kind of like imagine a pineapple and it's like a like a fleshy pineapple and it's just breaking through the stone vibrating but i i put a lot of energy into uh if i'm feeling in that like self-healing mood like that i focus on that but it might be doing something um, cause the, um, pressure that I get now here. So just like laying in bed at night, right in the third eye. Um, I mean, it's, it's not even subtle anymore. It's, it's a pretty, pretty good pressure I got and I'll get it to pulsate. Like I can't understand what pulse I'm feeling here. But I can't, you know, like when you do like the, um, the longer breath hold, like an in, 
hold it out and where you can get your heart beating, where you can feel it beating in your chest. And then this will start beating with it. But there's no reason for there to be a pulse there, right? There's not a freaking artery no. in your... It's just bone, right? It's just capillaries and bone? Yeah, I think could so. You, could you be feeling it from the brain? I, it feels like it's on the outside. But I can't figure out like why it would be pulsating. So it feels just... Um, <clears throat> but I, it, it seems like that's getting more and more intense. I don't know if it's just paying attention to that when it happens or if it's from doing all the pineapple head healing work but uh so one thing that it helped me was um i don't know if it was gene hart where you guys talked about like putting your awareness on the tip of your nose and waiting that's osho osho and waiting for the pulse there like there's no reason why you should feel a pulse at the tip of your nose either Oh, yeah, yeah. That has helped me a lot. Was it Gene Hart saying it, too? I thought it was Gene Hart, but, I mean, I don't know who it was. But that's helped me a lot as far as the mind's eye and just concentration. Because the nose is a very – the tip of the nose is a very easy thing to concentrate on. I'll say that. Like, when you shut your eyes, it, it can bring you to presence, I feel like, a lot quicker just because it's it's almost like it's really difficult. So you have to be like super aware and like concentrate really well with your awareness because you can't really feel the tip of your nose. So you literally have to, you know, focus. And it really puts you in that focus really quick. Because, and, and I'll, I'll say this, like breaking what you do on a norm is good too, because yeah, if, if I put myself in the mind's eye and you get in these patterns, like I can almost be like, well, I seem to be having way more thoughts, but I haven't broken that pattern up. And then when I broke the pattern up and went to my nose, it was like, wow, I can concentrate a lot better. It's just a little thing. Like, like tomorrow it could be like, do my left hand instead of my right hand. Or like focus on like my feet, like it's it's switching it up, like to where you can, you know, keep tricking yourself into like raising your awareness and concentrating better because you can get in that routine with the mind's eye and you're like, damn, I've done this three nights in a row and I feel like I'm in thought stream every single time, and then you just make that minor switch, and it's like, well, I'm just I'm just breaking up the monotony. Osho spent like a whole sermon on like the tip of the nose. It was pretty interesting. That's what you were talking about before with the Bible. I mean, it's so mechanical. Yeah. I mean, that's what was so beautiful. I mean, it's such a mechanical sermon about like, I mean, he even talks about wearing glasses and just like understanding yourself as behind the eyes. Mm. Like we, like you, you can see the rim of your glasses, like use that to just make sure that you understand yourself as within, like within it all. Yeah. He, he talks about all that um, mechanical work with the tip of the nose. And how much, but yeah, how much mechanics do you see in the Bible? Yeah, exactly. 
it's it's as almost as though it was taken out. Yeah, I mean, you can't have that much truth in one space and say that you know there was never any methods or mechanics there. You know, it's just I I don't buy it. Because any spiritual book that I I read, you know, they always have their take on their parables and their truths. And then, you know, then they also say, you know, here's how I got here. Here's how you can get here too, type thing. And unfortunately, it looks like all that was taken out. It's crazy because it would be so awesome. Like the best documentary ever made would be like these hidden documents from the Bible that had methods and mechanics and and accessing them today and finding out the reality um, and what those mechanics actually were that they were talking about 2000 years ago. That would be some of the, that would be the most riveting documentary ever, ever watched. Because, I know Jesus, with, with all the truth that he was spouting out, I know he would have had some pretty good methods. Right. We just, it would be cool to at least see, you know, how did he, you know, attempt to wake people up? Because I know he had those many tricks up his sleeve. Um, it'd, it'd be cool to know what those were, but he just... I, I don't think that anybody will ever see anything like that. No, it seems like they would have found it by now. Somebody probably destroyed it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the people that took it out, I don't think they yeah. had plans of saving it. No, I don't, I don't either. You good, bud? Good talk, bud.